1: For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit JDPower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or SleepNumber.com. From the -the over-the-top studios at Scratch Labs in Boulder, Colorado, RoadBikeRider.com radio. Going the distance with Coach John Hughes. John, it's great to see you. Great to be here too, George. We're both skiers. We're going to talk about cross-training today. We're different kinds of skiers, but uh, the cross-training really seems to apply. Did you know that more downhill skiers die every year than
0: football players, pro football players?
1: Yeah, well, how about Nordic skiers?
0: (laughs) Well, you know, we we don't die. We just freeze to death. It's slightly different. I, I was out last week. I had an absolutely great ski. It was minus 10 Fahrenheit when I started. But sunny. And it warmed up to zero by the time I was done. I was trying to figure out what to do with all the clues I was carrying. I was
1: going to say, I would think Nordic skiing, you'd be warm. Doing a lot of work out there in the sun. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> and the- what a winter we've been having. It's just storm after storm after storm here in the Northwest. I mean, it's crazy. Yeah, my brother lives up in Salem, and he uh, sent me a text that he'd fallen on black ice.
0: Not good. That's why I like living here in Colorado. I mean, it's 55 out t- today, George. We could go for a bike ride. If we're oh, I am
1: going for a bike ride once we wrap up here. Good for you. So, <laughs> so
0: you're a downhill skier and instructor. So I assume that that bike riding in uh, what is this January is cross
1: training for skiing. Uh, I look at it as both. There you go. I, I mean, when I'm walking back and forth in my ski boots, I actually had to run uphill to get a glove from a a student that dropped one yesterday and. I mean, it. I always try to work some type of training into what I'm doing. And you're good at that. I remember when you were teaching slalom at Mount Hood
0: years ago, you would ski uphill. I would in your skate downhill uphill ski. backwards skate through up. the course. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and that builds good, strong legs. In fact, I first met you in 95. You'd signed up for my Pacific Crest tour. I uh, didn't really know you, but you came with strong recommendations from Muffy Ritz and Steve Bourne. And from talking with you, you said you were really fit from all that
1: skiing uphill. And I was in pretty terrible shape compared to the other riders for the first week, if you remember. You were a phenomenal climber
0: for about 200 yards because of (laughs) all that uphill skiing. It's actually a great example of what's good about cross training and doesn't quite work for everything. Very strong legs, overall very fit, good high-end aerobic capacity, but you didn't have cycling-specific endurance.
1: Right, and we started at the U.S.-Mexico border, and I remember just having a huge breakthrough when we got to Reno and we're riding Mount Rose. That that was when I thought, I can finish Ram this year. Yeah, the Mexico-California
0: uh, border is maybe 10 feet above sea level, and Mount Rose is 8,000-plus. What I remember, you and Steve Boren were both proving fit you were you were singing as loudly as you could going up trying to out sing the other <laughs> another example of why uh cross training doesn't work necessarily perfectly uh did a 37 mile ride with john ilmblatt last month and i already had about 30 days of cross-country skiing in my legs so i was thinking boy i'm good uh It was a little breezy, as we say here on the Front Range. You know, the kind where you got to lean your bike into the wind not to fall over? My cardio was great. But cross-country skiing is mostly about your glutes, not about your quads. Get on a bike into the wind, it's more quad work. John was very polite and just kind of slowed down as I whimpered.
1: Well, you know, every year at this time when I see people who are doing race across the west, which I love doing every year, Uh, and I see the people in California, Texas, warmer climates that are already riding double centuries, and I mean, they're out there really hitting it, and I don't really start my cycling training until April. And I
0: I think that's fine. One of the things that I really like about, well, first of all, I hate the term cross-training. I like the idea of having fun in the winter Now it is training in the sense that it gets me, you, whomever in better shape, but think of it as having fun. Something I can go out and do with Carol, she doesn't ride, but she she loves to get out there in the snow. Now, as far as people do in double centuries in California, one of the advantages that you've got, one of the advantages that I have is we go into cycling season, April, May, we're not burned out from all those miles. This is cool.
1: This is a change of pace. This is fun. I'm looking forward to getting on my bike and just hurting again. And it's funny, around August, I'm wanting to be back on skis. <laughs> That's exactly right. I, I had a haircut yesterday, and the woman
0: said, boy, I, I'll be glad when winter is over. And I said, no, 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 you don't understand. She says, aren't you looking forward to spring? And I says, no, I like winter, and then I like summer. But I don't like the shoulder season when it rains and it's muddy.
1: Yeah out your cyclocross bike yeah, yeah get out your <laughs> cross bike.
0: now when, when you're training for raw that is mostly uh short high speed pulls right
1: which i think is why my alpine skiing works really really well with it it really does actually because it's high intensity uh and and you're really working
0: on that top end and those people out riding double centuries they're working more on endurance which is One of the reasons that I love to ski, plus the fact that I'm scared going down hills. Uh, And cross-training for endurance, there are a whole lot of kinds of things that you can do. Uh, Brisk walking, Nordic walking. Nordic walking is simply walking, but you're carrying poles and using your arms. So that adds another 10% to the workout. Uh, You can mix walking and jogging. So walk for three minutes, jog for two, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, If you've got good knees, you can go out and run. Hiking, warmer climb. We, we, we could go hiking around here if we wore little crampons mm-hmm. on our feet. Uh, snowshoeing, sort of the same thing as walking or hiking, except you got these things on your feet and it's colder. Uh, Nordic skiing, as I've said, I like diagonal stride, which is the, the old classic method, and then skate skiing, which is the new method, are both great. Uh, again, if you're in a warmer area, inline skating, similar to skate skiing. Uh, some people like rowing machines. I coached uh, Peter Leckish when he was training for RAM. He was the first 60-year-old to finish. He was a very competitive rower on a Concept too, and he would go to competitions oh. to see how fast he could do
1: 500 meters. On an indoor On rowing. an indoor trainer. Oh, wow.
0: Yeah, he, he was also a national champion cross-country skier. Um, there's aerobics com- equipment at gyms. Personally, he wouldn't catch me dead on one of those things. And then some people like team sports, volleyball, racquetball, basketball. Uh, coached a guy for a couple of years who was training for Ram. He was big on racquetball twice a week. And he says, do I have time for this? Well, sure, till April. That's great. Great cross training. Well, how do you decide which ones to do? First of all, it's got to be fun. It's got to be enjoyable. So cross training for me on the stair climber at the gym would not be fun, and I would not do it. I love hiking. I love snowshoeing. I love skiing. They're all fun. Other people may not like them, so pick something that you like. You've done it with uh, with downhill and uphill skate skiing on your downhill skis. Second thing is accessible. You and I happen to live in an area. I mean, Eldora is half an hour from here, George. Right. You know, I'm going to go ski for a couple of hours tomorrow morning and then get in the office. So it has to be something that's reasonably easy to do. Uh, Another good example, sort of cross-training, sort of regular, mountain biking. If somebody lives in an area where there are a lot of trails or dirt roads that are snowy or fat tire biking, the latest rage, uh, but again, accessible. A third thing that I think is important is something that you can do with your family because so much of the time when we get out on our bikes doing long rides, et cetera, et cetera, our partner is at home, we don't see the kids, so forth and so on. I was skiing at Devil's Thumb uh, two days ago, and I just finished Lactic Grande, which is the biggest, toughest, and I was skiing back to the lodge, and I got passed by two five-year-olds. And I thought, how great! Now I was pretty tired and going as slow as I could and still stand upright, but you know, I see kids out there all the time. It's a family sport. And then the last thing is specificity. Uh, You really want something that's using your legs, first of all. So swimming isn't so good. Do a little bit of cardio. Second, you want something that uses your legs in a fashion similar to your sport. So running tends to be a little more glute-intensive. Nordic skiing, classic skiing, a little more glute-intensive. Skate skiing, actually more quad-intensive. So you can think about the differences in muscles involved. Uh, classic skiing, hiking, snowshoeing is fairly moderate cardiovascular intensity. Skate skiing, unless you're really good, is higher intensity. The kind of skiing that you do is higher intensity. If you're a good runner, you can run at a conversational pace. But if you're not, that's going to be higher intensity. So match the muscle groups, match the intensity, figure out something that's fun that you can do with your family and something you can get out there today and do
1: say so I look forward to the Wednesdays that are coming up because I'm going to be coaching a race program. And what I love about that, I'll stand at the bottom of the course, uh, video people as they come through, and then I walk next to them as they go up the Poma lift. And I coach them as they're going up, and then I head back to the course to pick up the next person. So they're getting in a lot of skiing. I'm able to give them a lot of one-on-one and also get a great workout at the same time. <laughs> that, that's great. How old are these skiers you're coaching? Uh, masters
0: okay yeah yeah I I, I got a friend up in the mountains who's who works at the comp center at Winter Park he's coaching second graders and he loves it 14 Saturdays he thinks it's so much fun and it's similar you get a lot of interaction with Mm -hmm. them uphill downhill work Tom's in great shape
1: so now what about resistance training flexibility (laughs) I'm not even gonna try to touch my toes right now
0: You asked me in an earlier podcast how often I stretch, and I said realistically only once or twice a week. Although when I'm skiing, I tend to get sort of kinky, and so I try to make time to stretch for, you know, 10, 15 minutes after I wax the skis in the morning. Resistance training is good for everyone and should be done two or three times a week in the winter. Moderate weights, doesn't have to be really heavy weights, can be done at home, can be done at the gym, can be done uh I and mean, the classic method is you're going to do three sets of 10 or whatever and then something else but you could do circuit training so one set of 10 with an upper body exercise set of 10 with a lower body set of 10 with the upper body and you keep moving around and get some aerobic benefit so i'm saying it's good to do that two or three times a week i do it in fact once a week maybe twice and i only do upper body because i love the skiing so much I want my legs to be tired from being out there on the snow, not from being in the gym. Another part of it is what I said earlier, enjoyable and accessible. I'm a gym rat. I'm going to go to the Y this afternoon. I love working out in a gym. I've got all the equipment at home. I could do it. Nah, don't do it there. Other people wouldn't be caught dead in a gym, but they can do it at home. On my website, there are a whole series of pages written with Dan Kellenbach, who's a road bike rider coach also. So go to www.coach-hughes.com, and then click on the resources link, and you will scan down and you will find strength training. And you'll also find
1: core training. And even stretches, if I remember correctly. (laughs) Now John, we've been doing podcasts together for I think about five years. I think we started in 2012. And we've never had a show about cross-training before. Should everyone do it? Uh, I was talking earlier about uh, the riders in warmer climes where you can ride year-round. Should they think about cross-training or stay specific?
0: I, I was astounded. when it, like, I've saved all the outlines and notes, and when I looked back, I said, there's got to be one on cross-training that I can you know, pull some material from. And then, oh, I, I must have a typo, and I never found one. So you're right. Clear back to 2012, we've never done one. Now, should everyone do it? I think people should because fitness is multidimensional. It's not just aerobic capacity, but it's strength. It's a lot of different things. And if you think about riding your bike, you're working in one plane, forward, backward. You're not doing anything to develop develop lateral uh, strength, stability, or anything to develop vertical strength, stability, other than standing or sitting. So, first thing, it's multiple uh, dimensional. Second thing. People who ride year-round tend to get bored. Not everybody. I have a couple of clients in California that live on the coast, and they are happy to ride up and down the Pacific Coast Highway multiple times a week. would drive me crazy. But for a lot of people, the variety helps. Cross-training can involve the family. And this is the time of year for most people when we are doing less volume. And we have more time to spend with our family. And when we get to big peak season, putting in a lot of time on the bike and a lot less time with our family. So here's a time to, as it were, bank hours with your family. So I recommend that everybody do something or several things different, differently than his or her primary sport.
1: Yeah, i got to think one thing I do love about spring, John is being able to get out, go for a bike ride, and then run up and ski for a couple hours in the afternoon. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, it's pretty amazing. I, I remember one year I, I uh, drove up to Eldora with John Lee Ellis to, to ski, and the conditions were actually kind of crappy. So we drove back to Boulder and got on our bikes and rolled up, rode up left-hand canyon. <laughs> I, I was driving over Berthet Pass to get back to Boulder yesterday. I could have ridden my bike over Berthet. The shoulders were so clear. Wow. It was only 15 degrees at the top. And and climbing when it's fifteen degrees is not a problem at all. I would have just hitchhiked back down to my car because there's no way I wanted to descend that way.
1: Now, are there any uh, roadbikerider.com articles that we should be checking out? There are a couple of i have written on uh, the off season,
0: what I like to call the pre-season. One is the productive off season training, and it's got a lot of detail on cross country, uh, sorry, cross training activities. It's got a whole set of different workouts for t- effective indoor cycling. And it's got a programs for strength training. I've set it up in two different 12-week programs. So it's beginning of January, mid-February, mid-March, mid-April. Somebody can take it clear into April. And they're set up so if you don't have 12 weeks, you could do eight weeks. So that's the first one. And then I'm over 50. You're not that old, I know. But I'm I over 50. Oh, well, okay. <laughs> then, then, then this article would be good for you, too, which is Off-Season Conditioning Past 50. So it's similar to the productive season, except it's tailored more to people like us. And the biggest difference is people over 50, over 60 like I am, tend to need more recovery. So it's tailored more to that. And what's available right now, uh, John Marsh has put together a winter uh, riding bundle. So it includes productive off-season training. It includes an article that I wrote about year-round riding, and, of course, here in Colorado, we do ride year-round, although not as much as we ski. And then something on gaining a mental edge. Uh, you and I have done several podcasts on the mental side of the sport, and now is the time to really work on those mental skills, like my skill of not freaking out when my skis point downhill.
1: Well, John, I'm looking forward to many more podcasts with you. We've got some fun changes in store, and... uh you're going to be excited to announce some of these changes that are going to be coming up in about oh, eight to ten weeks. I'm looking forward to them, too, George. From the over-the-top studios at Scratch Labs in Boulder, Colorado, RoadBikeRider.com radio, I'm George Thomas. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder
0: of Pretty Litter.